there as well. Uh, I believe they are. I look forward to seeing them one of these days. Amen. All right. Well, let's get into our book tonight, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to begin there in verse 1. We'll go through several verses tonight, perhaps down to maybe verse 14 or 15. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But Colossians chapter 1, and we'll begin there in verse 1 here in just a couple of moments. Now, of course, as we get into the book of Colossians, we see that uh, Colossians is another one of the books the Apostle Paul wrote. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, a lot of the New Testament, I believe about a third of it. And so, uh, and so there's uh, many of the epistles that we read, uh, of course, are by his pen. When the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians, just like many of the other books that we've studied in uh, First and Second, and uh, I'm sorry, not First, Second, Third John, but in First and Second Thessalonians, we see that uh, one of the reasons why he wrote Colossians as well was because he was trying to combat some heresy that was in uh, that was taking place in the church. Now, as uh, as the church was growing and churches were being planted across across the area, uh, and the apostle Paul and some of it, and some of the other folks, as they planted churches and would move on, what would happen is is uh, other folks would come in, and as we see in the, in the book of Second Thessalonians, people would write letters and say that they were in the name of Paul, put Paul's name on it. Uh, and so it would be uh, read in front of the church, and and the doctrine was complete heresy. It was terrible. And so the Apostle Paul wrote Second Thessalonians to the people so that they would see and understand that, listen, I'm writing this by my own hand. You know, don't believe everything, all, all these things that you hear. How many have ever heard the phrase, don't believe everything you hear? Yeah, and so, hey, that's the truth. You listen, you got to make sure you don't believe everything that you hear. Uh, make sure that we're not gullible, you know. Make sure that we are, uh, uh, once we understand what the truth is, that we make sure we have a good foundation on what that truth is so that we're not, you know, tossed to and fro and wavering uh, in the doctrines of our faith because that can be uh, very detrimental uh, to the balance of our life and our faith. Uh, and so the Apostle Paul, when he wrote Colossians, it was to combat, in essence, really the same thing. There were people that were uh, people that were coming in that were preaching things that were not right, that were not correct, talking about the deity of Christ and a bunch of other stuff. And so the Apostle Paul began to write the book of Colossians so that people would have a deeper understanding of uh, the nature of God, who the Lord Jesus is, how everything came to be uh, in all of these different things. But before he gets to all that, as the Apostle Paul does in, in true fashion, he has a great introduction. Uh, he always gives a great introduction. He always starts out with a high point. He always starts out with something positive, and then he gets into what it is that he needs to talk about, which is a good rule of thumb for life. Uh, and so let's begin here in verse 1. Let's take a look at it, and we'll get through just a few, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, premillennial things uh, here in the very beginning, and then uh, we'll get into uh, the real meat a little bit later in chapter 1, about halfway through about what it is the Apostle Paul wants the people to understand. And so let's get into chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Colossians. And Paul says, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. And so, of course, he says, by the will of God. Uh, you know, not by the will of man, not by the will of, you know, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and everybody else that wanted me to be a preacher as I was growing up. Uh, that he says, I, I, I'm, I was called by God, not by not by man, not by anybody else. I didn't call myself. Uh, he says, I was called by God to do this. And so he says, uh, Jesus Christ called an apostle 
called by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 3, he says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always. You know, one of the interesting things about Paul is you see that every time he starts, he always talks about uh, the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus. He's always talking about how thankful we are. He always talks about how much we're praying for you. I mean, the Apostle Paul was a praying man. If there was anything that we needed to be today, it is a pray. It is a praying people. The Apostle Paul was a praying man. And so he says there in verse 3, he says, We give thanks to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He was so thankful for the people of Colossae. They were good people. They were great people down there. And they had a heart uh, and a desire to do great things, just like the people of Thessalonica that we studied already. And uh, as these folks were pressing forward and trying to know more about God, the devil was going to do everything he could to try to interfere with that any way that he can. Uh, how many have ever figured out, if you've been a Christian at any, any time at all, you know that the devil likes to interfere in things. Uh, and I tell you what, the devil will get into all kinds of stuff. And, and, so, uh, and so the Apostle Paul, he is doing everything he could to try to straighten the mess out because the devil had actually used some folks to come in to preach some foul stuff and say some terrible things. And so the Apostle Paul is going to straighten this stuff out. But before he gets there, he says, you know what? I'm so thankful for you guys. Y'all have a heart to y'all have a heart for the Lord. Y'all really want to grow. You really want to be successful, you know, in, uh, in serving God. And he says, I'm just thankful for you. And I want you to know that. He says, I'm always praying for you. He says there in verse 3, praying always for you. And you've heard me say this a million times before. Listen, be thankful when somebody's praying for you. If somebody says, I'm praying for you, listen, don't take it lightly because that, uh, that's, that's special. That means something. Uh, and so he says, I'm always praying for you. Verse 4, he says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. Sounds a lot like what he said to the folks of Thessalonica. He says, you know what? We've heard of your faith in Christ. We've heard about what God's doing down there. We've, we've heard about how God's growing the church. We've heard about how the people are getting saved. We've heard about all these things. He says, of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. He says, it's been reported. I've heard about it. He says, you love the Lord. You love each other. And, and your faith is growing. And, 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 and you're striving and doing everything you can uh, to be pleasing in the sight of God. And he says, I just want you to know that I am so thankful for y'all and that I am praying for you. But how great it is there in verse 4 for the Apostle Paul to hear some great news coming from uh, from the church of Colossae. And there in verse 5, he says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. There in verse 5, when he says, For the hope uh, which is laid up for you in heaven, he says, Listen, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love. And when he gets to verse 5, he, where, where did all this come from? I mean, why did they have this faith? Why, how did they have this love? Where did they receive this? How did they get this kind of love? I'm not talking about just an everyday kind of love. I'm talking about this love of Christ. It's agape love of God. And so he says, you know, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love. Where did all this come from? How did they receive it? They were in verse 5. He says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. The hope it has the idea of, 
means uh, their assurance or their assurance of salvation. Uh, listen, the, the word hope back in a uh, long time ago, back in their time, had the idea of something that was assured. You can, it, you can you know, take it to the bank almost like a promise. It wasn't like, well, you know, it may or may not happen today. How many of you know that words kind of change over time, you know, and their meanings kind of change over time or they have several different meanings? Kind of the same thing with this word hope. This word hope uh, dealing with the idea of salvation, but it was something that was assured. And so he says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. He says, you know what? He says, you know what, what, what I really love? He says, I love the idea of not only that you're loving each other, not only that you have faith in the Lord Jesus and that you're growing and that God is working down there. He says, but what I really love is the fact that you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. Isn't that great? I, lo- I love the fact that you're saved and you're on your way uh, to heaven. There in verse 5, for the hope which is laid up in heaven... Uh, laid up for you in heaven. Your eternal, your eternal resting, uh, your eternal, not resting place, but your eternal home, he says, is laid up for you in heaven. He says, whereof, how did you find out about this great salvation? How did you find out uh, uh, about this, uh, this great place called heaven? Notice he says there in verse 5, he says, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. How did you find out? How, how did you receive this great love? How did your life change? How did you become a completely different person than what you used to be? He says, how did you, how did you transfer your citizenship from the earth, from this earth, to heaven itself? How did that happen? He says, shows them there in verse 5. Listen, it happened because, uh, because whereof you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. He says, you heard the gospel and you got saved. And when you got saved, what happened? Your, your heart changed, your life changed. You became a new creature in Christ. And, uh, and, and you, had, you, you then had this love in your heart that you never had before. Why did you have that love in your heart you never had before? Because you never had Jesus before. And Jesus is love. God is love. And so now they had a love that they never had before. And, and, and he says there in verse 4, He's, uh, the, he talks about how they had this great faith. Where did this great faith come from? Where did this great love come from? It came from the fact that they got saved and they heard it from the gospel. Uh, they trusted the gospel. They believed in the Lord Jesus and they got saved. And he says, you know what? There in verse 3, he says, I give thanks uh, he says, I give thanks to the Lord for you. He says, I pray for y'all. I'm so glad that y'all are saved. I'm so glad that you're on your way to heaven. And you heard it. You heard it uh, through the gospel truth. You know, there's a lot of people today that think they're going to heaven uh, some other kind of way. Uh, there's a lot of people today that think they're going to go to heaven just because they've been a good person. You know, I can do all kinds of good works and all that different kind of stuff, and, you know, and I'll still go. Bible doesn't say that. There's a lot of people today that think they're going to go to heaven because they're a member of a church, or because they gave so much to a church, or because they run around the church seven times and said a dozen Hail Marys and all this kind of stuff, and they think that's going to get them to heaven. It's not going to do, you know, it's not going to do nothing for them. You know what it's going to do? It's going to wear their voice out, and it's going to make them tired. That's all it's going to do. Listen, let me tell you something. The only way that you can get to heaven is to trust Jesus. 
Jesus and what He has done for you on the cross. Accept the fact that He died for you on the cross. Trust, uh, uh, trust in Him. Believe in Him. Accept the sacrifice that He has made for you. That is the only way that you can get to heaven. Lots of folks think, well, you know what? I, I got baptized. I'm on my way to heaven. I don't know how many times I've talked to people. Hey, when would you get saved? Well, I remember when I got baptized. Listen, I ain't talking about when you got baptized. I'm talking about when you got saved. Not whenever you got dunked in water. I want to know when you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Not when you got wet. Amen. Uh, I'm glad you got wet. I'm glad you got baptized. But that's not what I'm talking about. I want to know when you got saved. When did Jesus come into your life? Do you remember uh, that? And so he says, listen, I'm so thankful for y'all. Because uh, y'all have this great faith in the Lord. You got saved and you heard it from the gospel. The gospel of what? Notice there in verse 5. He called it the word of the truth of the gospel. Uh, now, if there's anything that, if there's something that eludes a lot of people today, it seems like that's truth. I mean, everybody's trying to find truth in something, truth in here, truth over there, and everybody seems to have some kind of truth. Everybody, well, well th- this is true to me. Uh, well, listen, I can tell you what, there's, uh, you can say that's true to you, but listen, there are some absolute truths in this world today. Uh, you know, it's an absolute truth that if you go out there and you stand in the road, more than likely you're going to get run over before the night's over with. Amen. And so this whole idea that, well, what's true to you is true to you and what's true to me is true to me, that's a bunch of hogwash. There's only one truth. There's only one truth. You're either right or wrong. I mean, there's only one truth. You know, it's not what's true to you and what's true to me and everybody just find their own truth. No, there's one truth. And the Apostle Paul said, listen, you have found the truth and you found it in the gospel. You found it in the Lord Jesus. So many people today looking for so many things, looking for love, looking for faith, looking to, to change their life, looking for looking to know what is truth. What it, I mean, isn't that what, isn't that what Pilate said? He said, what is truth? How can I know it? Do you recognize it when you hear it? You know, how can you know what the truth is? And what the Lord Jesus said, he says, every man that hears my voice hears the truth. Uh, and so he says, listen, I'm so thankful that y'all are saved and you're on your way to heaven and you found it out. You got saved and you had this great love. Your life has become changed. You are a new creature in Christ. And your citizenship has changed from earth to heaven because you heard it in the word of the truth of the gospel. There in verse 6, he says, notice he says, which is come unto you, talking about the gospel, the truth, which is come unto you as it is in all the world. You see, the, the Lord, the Lord had, had the idea to send the gospel out to all the world, not just to the Colossians, not just to the Ephesians or the Thessalonians or, uh, 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 or anybody like that. Listen, no, he wanted the, the, the gospel to go out to all the world. And that's why the church is commissioned to go out into the world and to make disciples and, and to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus and, and to teach everybody about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. And he says uh, there in verse 6 that this gospel is come unto you, this truth has come unto you as it is in all the world. Because listen, when the Lord Jesus came, what did he bring with him? He brought truth because what is he? He is truth. That's his name. His name is truth. And so there in verse 6, 
He says, this gospel has come unto you, this truth has come unto you as it is in all the world. And notice, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. And so he says, listen, the gospel, the Lord Jesus, Jesus himself, when he comes to live in your life, when he comes to take control of your life, then what happens is, is when you get saved and you become more like him, you begin to bear fruit in your life. And there in verse, uh, there in verse 6, now he says uh, that you bring forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard it uh, in the grace of God in truth. So when we get saved, we get saved, we begin to do works that, uh, uh, that are pleasing in the sight of God. And when we do things that are pleasing in the sight of God, we begin to bear fruit. And, um, and that fruit, uh, is, uh, that fruit is, is uh, things that we are treasures that we're laying up in heaven. That fruit, is, uh, that fruit is things that are taking place down here on this earth, such as uh, you know, witnessing to folks and, and, and telling people about the Lord Jesus and just going, doing good deeds in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says there in verse 7, he says, As you also learned of Epaphras. Now, this is the first name that we've seen. Now, Epaphras was a special guy. Now, Epaphras, the Bible says there in verse 7, he says, as you also learned of Epaphras. So the Apostle Paul's not telling them something they don't already know. And so what that does is that shows us the, how good Epaphras was. Because the Apostle Paul isn't telling them something that they don't already know. He's telling them things they already know. In other words, he already knows, they already know that the reason why that they live a changed life is because of Christ. They already know that they were sinners, that they were lost and on their way to a devil's hell, but the only reason why that they are who they are right now is because the Lord Jesus died for them and he gave, forgave them of their sins, gave them a home in heaven. He, that, that's the only reason why that they have what they have and they understand that. And, 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 this, and the reason why they know that, the reason why they understand that, the reason why they know that it came from the gospel of the truth is because Epaphras gave them the gospel of the truth. He went down there and he preached it to them. That great missionary, that great evangelist, that, uh, that great pastor that was down there uh, in Colossae that pastored all these folks and evangelized this whole area as a, uh, as a pioneer preacher, so to speak. And he goes down there and he starts a church and he gives them the gospel and people get saved and he begins to mentor them and pastor them and he begins to help them to grow in the Lord and he says, you know what, I'm not telling you nothing you don't already know because Epaphras has already said this. He says, as you also learned of Epaphras, our dear, our dear fellow servant. So praise the Lord uh, for men such as Epaphras that will blaze uh, the trail uh, to go into an area as a pioneer, uh, as a pioneer uh, church starter and build something and start something and, uh, and maintain it and keep it going and, and, and reach the world for the gospel. Uh, and he says, you know what, he's, um, he's very thankful for Epaphras. Notice the Apostle Paul calls him a dear fellow servant, uh, a fellow servant, someone who uh, is more interested in serving God than they are serving themselves. You know, he says Epaphras he is a dear fellow servant. You see how that, that term of endearment, how when he speaks of Epaphras, uh, how, he, uh, how he feels about him. 
There in verse 7, he says, Who is for you a faithful minister of Christ? He says, man, he is so faithful. He is a minister. What is another word for a minister? It means uh, the idea to be a servant. He's going to minister to somebody. He's going to serve them. Uh, and so he says, you know what? He is a, a Epaphras. Not only is he a church starter, not only is he a church builder, not only is he a preacher of the gospel and a lover of souls, uh, but he is someone who is a faithful minister of, uh, to you. And he loves the Lord. There in verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. He says, this is the very one. Epaphras is the one that told us about your love for God. He told us about how you want to serve God and how you love the Lord." See there in verse 8, that capital S, showing the Spirit, talking about the Spirit of God. Epaphras is the one who declared unto the Apostle Paul uh, the, uh, the condition of the people and how they loved the Lord and how they were growing. He was sending reports back to the Apostle. There in verse 9, he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He says, you know what? You're growing in your faith. You love the Lord. You're growing in the love of the Lord. He says, so you know what? We don't, we don't stop praying for you. We are constantly praying for you people that you will know the will of God in your life. There in verse 9. He says, he says in verse 9, uh, that you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. He says, you know what we want to do? He says, when we pray for you, you know what we're doing? When we pray for you, he says, we're asking that God would show you what it is that he wants you to do in your life. We, we're, we're praying that God will give you vision. We're praying that God will speak to your heart. We're praying that God will give you exactly what you need to take that step of faith. We want you to know what God's will for your life is. Listen, there's a lot of people in the world today wanting to know what the will of God for the life is. Well, the very first thing that the will of God is for your life is for you to get saved. Amen. If you're not saved, that's the very first thing he wants you to do is get saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he wills and desires for you to get saved. He also wills and desires for you to understand and know what it is that he wants you to do in your life. And he says, we're praying for you that you will know it. We're praying that you'll receive it. We're praying that you'll get it, that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will. Notice there in verse 9, he says, in all wisdom... And spiritual understanding. So he wants them to have wisdom uh, about what the will of God is for their life, but he also wants them to have the spiritual understanding, uh, which has, which means, in essence, really the ability to apply it to your life. Uh, we, I don't just, I don't just want you to have the wisdom about it, but I, uh, the understand, uh, the knowledge of it. He says, but I want you to know how to apply it to your life in a spiritual way. Does that make sense? That's what I want you to do. I want you to not just. I want you to know the will of God, and I want you to know how to uh, how to apply the will of God to your life in a spiritual way, so that you know exactly what you need to do. There in verse ten, check this out. Now this is a big one. For what purpose? I mean, why why does he want them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? You know, and why does he want them to be filled with wisdom? And why does he want them to have spiritual understanding? 
Because you know what? There's a lot of people today that don't have spiritual understanding. There's a lot of, uh, listen, there's a lot of God's people that don't have spiritual understanding. And the reason why is because several different reasons. One, they got sin in the way. And that sin keeps them from having the spiritual understanding that they need. But also, there's one reason why uh, the lost don't have spiritual understanding. Because the Bible says they are spiritually discerned. Listen, you can only know the basic things of the Bible if you're uh, you're not saved. You can't understand the deeper things of God. Uh, So once you get saved and and the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives and dwells within you, then he, in essence, becomes that teacher that leads you into the deeper things of the Lord. But here we see, he says, I want you to know, I want you to have spiritual understanding. I want you to have wisdom. I want you to know how to apply this knowledge to your life. For what purpose? There in verse 10, why? Why is all this stuff so important? Uh, He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Wow, think about that. To walk worthy of the Lord. What does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord? I mean, can anybody walk worthy of the Lord? I mean, he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Now think about that kind of walk. What kind of walk is that? If you're going to walk worthy of the Lord, man, that's a, that, that's a, pretty, that's a, that's a pretty good walk. I mean, that's not, uh, that's not walking like the world, no doubt. Uh, that's not walking like we want to walk. Uh, that's that's uh, what we're talking about. The Lord Jesus said to, uh, to follow him, to walk in his steps, to follow after his steps. And so if we're going to walk like Jesus, that means we're going to have to completely and totally surrender to him. That means we're going to have to stop, stop walking like the world. And where does the world walk? I mean, how does the world walk? Where does the world walk? Well, the world walks to the bars. The world walks to, uh, uh, you know, all these other places that are filled with sin. The world walks in all these different directions and the world takes people in all different directions so many directions that are completely away from God he says I want you to walk worthy of the Lord that means you're going to have to come out from among them and be you separate saith the Lord when you get saved the Bible says when you get saved you come out from the world and you become separate from them you you are a peculiar person you know you're now saved you live a different kind of life don't mean you're perfect but you live a different kind of life and so he says listen we want to I'm praying that you'll walk a walk that is worthy of the Lord that you'll that the things that you do in your life will be pleasing in your sight what the Lord Jesus said he says he says I do all things that are pleasing in his sight now I know it's kind of difficult for us real difficult for us for us to do all things that are pleasing in his sight but I tell you what But I tell you what we can do. We can do everything we can to walk a walk that is worthy of the Lord. To uh, walk a walk that is in obedience. To walk a walk that is in faith. Uh, Because what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says that uh, without faith, it's what? Impossible to please Him. And so if we want to live a life that is, if we want to live a life that is pleasing to God, one of the things we're going to have to do is that we're going to have to walk in faith. And if you're walking in faith, listen, that don't mean you're sitting. That don't mean you're just standing. That means you're actively doing something. That means you're actively uh, pursuing the Lord. You're actively seeking Him. You're actively serving Him, you know. And so he says that you walk worthy of the Lord. That is an action, uh, not just sitting. He says that you may walk worthy Worthy of the Lord. Come out from the world. Come out from the things of the world. Be what it is that God wants you to be. Live the life that God has called you to. You are a saved person. You, uh, your heart has changed. You've been filled with the love of God. God has placed a great faith in you. Uh, great power in you. Listen, if you've been saved, then you have the power of the Lord Jesus uh, inside of you. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And I tell you what, um, uh, 
if uh, we have the power of the Lord within us, what, uh, what, what can we not do? I mean, we can do, we can do anything uh, within the will of God. There in verse 10, he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Uh, that is a walk of faith because without it we can't please God. Being fruitful in every good work. Look, what we need to do is as we're serving God and as we're walking with God and as we're living with God, what do we want to do? We want to be uh, pleasing in His sight, which is what's going to happen. Uh, he says, but listen, you also, want to make, you also want to be fruitful. But you know what? When you're walking with God and you're living for God and you're serving God, what happens? You live a fruitful life. You live a fruitful life. And listen, it doesn't mean that if you, just because you walk with God and just because you live for God, doesn't mean that nothing bad's ever going to happen. Doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad day. How many of you Christians here tonight ever had a bad day? You thought, well, you know what? I, I'm saved now. I, I didn't think I was ever going to have a bad day ever again. Listen, the Lord Jesus never said that. So don't think that just because you get saved or are saved or going to get saved, uh, that you're never going to have a bad day ever again because that's not going to happen. The Bible don't say that. Uh, but what we do see as we see there uh, that the apostle uh, showed them that they can, when they're walking with God, they're living this walk of faith, and they're walking this walk of faith, that they will be fruitful in what they do. And uh, he says, in every good work, that you'll be fruitful. Watch this now. And increasing in the knowledge of God. The more you walk with God, the more time you spend with God, the more uh, knowledgeable you're going to become about God. The more about God you're going to know. And the more and the closer you get to God, the closer you begin to uh, think like Him. The more you begin to feel like Him. The more you, uh, uh, you begin to, I think as you, uh, as you read His Word, uh, you begin to feel the same way about sin as He feels about sin. You know, we can get, if we're not careful, we get to this place in our life where we can kind of get uh, resistant, I guess, or kind of scarred to sin where we don't really uh, think as much of it anymore. You know, I can do this and do this and it don't really bother me that much. You know, I can kind of just kick it off to the side and not worry about it. I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven, but I know I still shouldn't be doing this. But, uh, but you know, it, um, uh, but, but our heart becomes so kind of calloused and, 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 and cold towards it that, we're, that we still do it. You can't do it without guilt, but you still do it. Your heart don't hurt as much. You ever done something sometime? You ever done something against God? Maybe sometime in your life, or you just knew you were just maybe you just knew you just maybe you just felt like you hurt the heart of God, and and your heart hurt, your heart hurt because you felt like you hurt God. You ever felt like that before? Your heart, I mean, you have, have you ever hurt at any point in your life about something? Just just put it this way, have you ever hurt in your life about something so much that is almost like you felt like your heart was actually hurting, almost like you can feel the muscle inside actually hurt. Uh, listen, I have, and I tell you what, that is a terrible feeling. And, and, uh, and he says, you know what? What we want to do is we want to make sure that we are walking for God. We want to make sure that we're uh, walking with God. And what we're going to do is, is we're going to grow in the knowledge. We want to increase in the knowledge of God. There in verse 11, what else? He says, strengthened with all might. How many, of you need some, how many of you need some strength tonight? I mean, I'll tell you what, if there's ever a time whenever people feel like they need some strength, I believe it's right now. Uh, if there's ever a time when people, I think, feel uh, kind of weary in their life, I think it is today. How many of you ever felt weary in your spiritual life and thought, great day, I don't know how much more this mess I can take. You ever felt like that before? I mean, whether not, not necessarily spiritual things, but in anything. Man, I ain't sure how much of this I can take. We get weary. And so what does, when we, when we walk in faith, when we walk in faith, 
and we're living for the Lord, what happens? We become fruitful in our life. We begin to know more about Him. We become pleasing to Him. There in verse 11. And we also are strengthened with, watch it now, strengthened with all might. See, I like that. All might. Now, just a little bit. He didn't say that you'll just receive a little bit. He said you'll have everything you need. How many of you like the idea of the fact that whenever you get tired, all you got to do is tap into a limitless resource of power? That's exactly right. Whenever you start getting tired and you start getting weary and you start feeling beat down and the devil comes by and says, hey, he's got, you know, he's knocking on your door and he's busting up your phone and hey, I just want you to know that that you're you're a loser and, 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 you know, you're a nobody and you're nothing and nobody cares and all this kind of stuff. And we get weary about all these different things and he says, you know what, when you are walking with God, and you have spiritual understanding and you're walking in His will, you become pleasing to Him and you're fruitful in your life and, uh, uh, and you're increasing in the knowledge of God, you, He says you receive strength with all might. Not just a little bit, but He says you get it all. Listen, God's not willing to hold anything back from you. God's not saying, well, I'm, not going to give you, I'm only going to give you just a little bit. No, God's willing to give you whatever it is that you need to overcome whatever situation that it is. I tell you what, you read throughout the scriptures and you see all, uh, all, these, uh, all these people uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament that did miraculous things through the power of God. God gave them exactly what they needed to get the job done. God will do the same thing for you. He says, strengthened with all might. Watch this now. And he says, according to his glorious power. Look at that. Is it because of our power? Is it because of our strength? No. He says, but listen, when you're walking with God and you're living for God and you're being pleasing to God and you're serving God and you're growing in the knowledge and grace of God and you're getting closer to God, then what happens? He says, you are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, the power of God himself. That's why he says, that's why the Bible says, I can do all things in the book of Philippians. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things. That word all right there again didn't say just a little bit, didn't say just a few things. He says I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because that is a limitless power that we have. A limitless power. There in verse 11, he says, according to his glorious power, watch this, unto all patience and long suffering. I tell you what, when you're walking with God, you have a tendency to be a little bit more patient and have a little bit more long suffering. He says, I'm praying that y'all have that. Um, I, and you know we don't pray for patience. Uh, and I don't believe that's what the Apostle Paul's uh, speaking of necessarily in just certain like situations. Uh, I think what he's trying to get at is, see, they're going, through, they're going through some things down there just like they were in Thessalonica. And he says, you know what? Be patient. Uh, be patient with God in essence. Let God do his thing. You know, you know God knows how to do it better than you do. You know? I tell you what, we can really get we can really get in a tizzy. You ever been in a tizzy? We can get in a tizzy, and when we get in a tizzy. I tell you what, we get beside ourselves and and uh, uh, and can come up and do all kinds of things. But I tell you what, sometimes if we will just be still and let God be God, you know what does the Bible say? Uh, to just to be still, right? Be still, and uh, if we will just be still, let God be God, then we can see uh, what it is that He is going to do. He says, "Be patient and long suffering." Patient, long-suffering. Watch this. With joyfulness. You ever, you ever been patient and joyful at the same time? 
I tell you what, it sounds like that's kind of hard to put together. That's, that kind of sounds like salt and pepper right there. How, you know, it kind of sounds like uh, it kind of sounds like you're trying to put uh, two magnets together that don't belong. How can I be patient and joyful at the same time? But he says, that's what I want you to be. I want you to be patient, but also at the same time, I want it to be laced with joy. Where do you get joy? I mean, you know, everybody out here in this world, they think, well, I'll get joy in the next car. I'll get joy in the next house that I buy. And, uh, I'll get joy and uh, I'll get joy out of my husband. I'll get joy out of my wife. Uh, I'll get joy out of all these things. Listen, uh, your husband and your wife and your house and your car and all that can make you happy for a temporary time. But listen, nobody can give you joy like Jesus can. Nobody can give you joy like Jesus can. Uh, and so sometimes we're looking for everything in the wrong place. Then we get disappointed when somebody don't, uh, when it or something else doesn't give that to us. You know why? They, because they can't. They don't have the endless supply of love like the Lord does. They don't have that endless supply of joy like the Lord does. We're expecting too much out of the car, expecting too much out of the house. How many of you know that sometimes you went and bought something and after you bought it, man, you really loved it for about a week or so and then after that week or so was done, you kind of made, you ever had buyer's remorse? You ever had that before? Went, went out and said, man, I tell you what, I sure would like to have that and you just want it, you want it, you want it and then you go buy it and next thing you know, you love it for about a you love it for a few days or about a week, and then you sit back and think, why in the world I do that? Why in the world I buy that? Why in the world I spend my money on that? And you have that buyer's remorse. Listen, he says, have this long suffering uh, with, uh, be patient with, with joyfulness. With joyfulness. He says, uh, that's where joy is going to come from when you're walking with God and living for God and you're strengthened by God and all these things, it all comes together and walking in joy. I like the idea of walking in joy. There in verse 12, the Bible says what else? It says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You know what there in verse 12? He says, I'm, he says giving thanks. You know, when you get saved, one of, the first, one, one of the first things you do is you become thankful. Now, you can have an unthankful heart the rest of the time. You can have an unthankful heart your whole heathen life. But I tell you what, when you get saved, you start getting thankful. You know why? Because you know that now you're not going to a devil's hell. I mean, you can be the worst person on this earth. You can have the most ungrateful heart. But I tell you what, the day that you get saved, that moment that you get saved, you all of a sudden become, when you become filled with Jesus, you all of a sudden at the very same time become filled with thankfulness. Because now you're so thankful that you don't have to answer for your sin. You're so thankful you don't have to die and go to hell. You're so thankful that you're on your way to heaven. You're so thankful that all your sins are forgiven. He says, he says, giving thanks unto the Father, watch this now, which has made us meet. You know what that, you know what that means? That means, you. In, in other words, he's saying you weren't good enough to go to heaven on your own, but the Lord Jesus made you good enough. <laughs> you weren't good enough to get there by yourself. The whole idea is like you're trying to qualify for something. You know, there's a lot of people today trying to qualify for heaven and they're going to miss it because they're trying to qualify without Jesus. Listen, you can't qualify to get to heaven without Jesus. You have to have him. The Bible shows us right there in verse 12. He says, we give thanks unto the Father which has made us meet. He qualified you. The Lord Jesus qualified you. He made you good enough to get to heaven. Why? Because you couldn't get to heaven on your own. Why is that? Because you're a sinner and a sinner can't get to heaven on his own. That's why the Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That every man has gone his own way. And so God says in Isaiah, he says, come now and let us reason together. And then as we sit down with the Lord and we reason together, 
The Lord Jesus pours His heart out to us. We hear the gospel. We get saved. And He is the one that makes us good enough to get to heaven because we couldn't get there on our own. The only righteousness that we possess tonight is the righteousness that He has given us because we, have, we had none on our own. The Bible says in verse 12, Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light uh, in light talking about the uh, the rest of his uh, the rest of the family that that is in heaven he's the one that's made us good enough to be able to go to heaven and spend all eternity in heaven with all the other people that have also been made good enough through the Lord Jesus Christ there in verse 13 and we'll perhaps stop here the Bible says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Great. Day in the morning, walk day. I could spend seven more minutes right here. But he says, Who hath delivered us, this Jesus, this one who has made us good enough, the one that died on the cross and shed his blood and made us good enough, qualified us to get to heaven, the very one that done that for your soul, the Lord Jesus that died on that cross and shed his blood for you, this very one, the Bible says in verse 13, that he delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Translated having the idea of really just transferring you from one place to another. In other words, you got saved and you were no longer a citizen of this earth, you're no longer a son of disobedience, no longer a child of the devil. You are now a citizen of heaven. You are now an adopted son of God. Amen? Don't that sound good? He said, and it was because of what the Lord Jesus did. Not because of what you've done or anybody else has done, but because of what he's done on the cross. He's done that for you. Delivered us from the power of darkness. You know, there, we look across the world today. If there's, I can't spend no more time here. We're going to stop there. But when we look across the world today, if there's one thing that we see is we see there's a lot of people that need to be delivered from the power of darkness. The power of darkness has, has such a great hold on so many lives today. Has such a great hold on so many families tonight. The power of darkness has a great hold on a lot of churches across America tonight. The power of darkness is... Uh, the power of darkness is... Uh, is sweeping across this earth. However, we do know that the Lord Jesus can do all things. No matter what takes place out here in this world, what we're going to do is we're going to keep putting Jesus first. We're going to make sure that we honor Him, do what we can to be pleasing in His sight, and never forget what it is that He has done for us. Because listen, the only way that we can get to heaven is because He qualified us to get there, not because we can get there on our own. Let's pray tonight. Father, we come to you this evening and we thank you for your blessings. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we go through the book of Colossians. I think we had a good start tonight. and uh, Lord, I believe you showed us a good number of things here in your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help our people. Uh, Lord, you know what's going on in all of our lives and all of our hearts and you know what we all need. And uh, So Lord, I pray that you'd use your word uh, to uh, speak to our hearts and help us, God, to grow and help us, God, to learn more about you and Lord, I pray that you'd use it to strengthen us and uh, you'd use it to, uh, to give us the power uh, that we need, uh, to give us the assurance that perhaps maybe some folks may be looking for. And God, I pray that you would 
Uh, just help our folks this week. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, use this Wednesday night service to give us that extra spiritual shot that we need to help us uh, to get to, uh, to help us to get to Sunday. Uh, Lord, I'm so thankful for you and I'm so thankful for my church and these people. God, I pray that you keep us safe as we get ready to leave and bring us all back to our next appointed time. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen.